All right, time to watch the Hannah Montana movie. Oh, God, it's so fucking boring. You know what? I'm just going to call up Dave. Dave, we are going to be watching something completely different. You like sexy spies in bathtubs? Yeah, we're watching Atomic Blonde. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Well, he's very curious what you're doing here in Berlin. Tear me apart, Lisa! You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. How'd you die? How old are you? Because you could be 20-something, but you could also be a teenager. We don't have to be mean, because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kurland, and I know we said before that we were doing the Hannah Montana movie because we were going on this whole movies that were released in April and spring theme type of female-centric films. Yeah, that that was a horrible fucking idea. So so to keep with uh, strong female characters, we're going Atomic. We're going Atomic Blonde, and I had to bring in my favorite comic book aficionado in on this one, Mr. Dave Schweitzer. Thank you, Scott. It's great to be here, and it was great to not have to watch the Hannah Montana movie. That was a really scary few minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, originally... Um, you are actually filling in because um, the person who was supposed to do the Hannah Montana movie was totally on board oh, for really? it, and then they had to back out. Ugh. Um, so I asked you like maybe two or three days ago, and you politely agreed, especially I'm kind of dating myself uh, with this, but uh, it is Avengers opening weekend, and I know how important <laughs> Marvel movies are to you. So, so thank you for fitting me in in your busy schedule of probably going to see Avengers Endgame five more times. Well, at least you didn't try to have us record like Thursday at six or seven p.m. Because no, I'd you be have like, to well. be here right now. <laughs> You're like, well, oh, that one, that one's not happening. But no, I, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to do a, a comic movie. book movie. Yeah, ironically, I have not read the comic book. Oh, it's so good. I would be interested in reading the comic book which is kind of ironic which don't we'll get read to the later. movie tie-in for atomic blonde so um i believe the uh, graphic novel this is based on i gotta grab my phone is i think it's the coldest season that sounds kind of familiar is Art. it andy diggle who did the um gotta writing it of it up. or um <laughs> probably uh i know it was from vertigo who did it um, but yeah, I love, this might be one of my favorite, if not my favorite spy movie. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, the last two Mission Impossible movies are up there, but, and like everyone's probably yelling at the podcast, all six people who listen to this podcast, including yourself, you are probably yelling at, <laughs> at the radio. What about James Bond? Casino Royale or Skyfall or Dr. No. <laughs> Or the Living Daylights won't wait. Hold on. <laughs> my my favorite Bond film is Live and Let Die, Live but that's because die. I love black exploitation films. And all it is is a black exploitation film with James Bond. Then the Bayou in that one is that. One? Uh, they go to Jamaica, the Bayou, uh, the French Quarter, and Harlem. Oh wow! Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, Atomic Blonde is based on The Coldest City. Oh. Uh, and that's Anthony Johnston and Sam Hart. Oh, okay, Anthony Johnston. Uh, yeah. Okay. And they're making a sequel to Atomic Blonde. Oh, have they started filming it? Uh, no. Do they have a director attached? or No, just Charlize. Oh, okay. So. Charlize. Well, maybe, I always was saying happen. Charlize Theron. It's Theron. Theron. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> um. But yeah, this this is probably my favorite Charlize movie. Um, this is a movie that like you need to watch it at least a couple of times because it's very. It's not that it's confusing. There's just a lot going on, and when you find out the twist, spoilers. Just to let everyone know that there will be spoilers in this episode. But you have like two years to watch this movie. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, Atomic Blonde was directed by David Lech. Yep. Who he he's made three movies and they're all really good. Deadpool two and which John Wick did he do? The first one. Okay, so that John Wick one, this, and then Deadpool two. Okay. Um, yeah, the, this movie has some really great action sequences. There's what isn't there one that's just like really? Uh, how long is it? The stairwell scene? Yeah, how long do you think that goes on for? That scene is about six minutes wow. uninterrupted. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, I love the soundtrack. I have the actual soundtrack oh, yeah. on CD, and oh, it's in wow. my car. The soundtrack is good. That's one of the things that I think is best about this movie um, is the soundtrack, and it's not music that I would typically listen to a ton. Wait, you don't listen to Falco? Um, I don't even know what that is. Although, my, well, arguably, my favorite song, Under Pressure, is in the movie. So when that kicked in, it was I like thought, it I was thought like a uh, huge, Bob O'Reilly uh, was your favorite song. Yeah, it's in the top three, but I'd probably say right at least right now it's Under Pressure, and I just want to clarify that is not because of Bohemian Rhapsody. I just want to clarify. I'm teasing this now, but for for award season next bagel basket, like award season for this was nominated. I am in fact doing Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, good. Can I call Tibbs on being on in that? Absolutely. One? <laughs> oh, perfect. Because <laughs> that movie makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. And it, I'm saying right now, if Taron Egerton does not get nominated for playing Elton John for actually singing, oh yeah, and doing all the choreography. And Rami Malek won for playing and lip syncing as, I almost said David Bowie as Freddie Mercury. (laughs) I'm going to be so pissed. Yeah, yeah, that one looks interesting. Um, um, The soundtrack in this movie is great, especially a couple of the action scenes where they kick in. Yeah, Falco is a, don't turn around, the Kamasad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the Major Tom, which everyone thinks Major Tom is space oddity, mm. but the song Major Tom is the four, three, two, one. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I can't remember the German that he's actually saying, but didn't do your preparation then. No, I tried. Do, I looked up the lyrics. The German. I tried. I looked up the lyrics, and I'm like, I can't. I can't pronounce that. <laughs> it would just be me like going like, <laughs> um, I, I just, this movie blows me away, but it also makes me scratch my head because, so the big spoiler is that there's a tr- uh, double agent yeah. within MI6 um, named Satchel. And it turns out that Satchel is not a double agent. 
Satchel is a triple agent. Yeah. Actually working for the CIA. Oldest trick in the book. <laughs> and Satchel is indeed Charlize. Mm. The person we've been watching tell the story the entire time. So that's the podcast. Good night, everyone. Uh, the Kaiser Soze of uh But it's not really because John Goodman is in there. So like, if they knew that, the whole point is that Satchel is a double agent telling secrets to, but if they knew that Satchel was indeed a triple agent working to take down the KGB from the inside, they'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, But this is where we get the whole unreliable narrator thing because she's telling the story. So are we listening to our protagonist? Is she the antagonist? If that's the case, is James McAvoy the actual protagonist of the movie and he just gets so screwed over? Oh, that's a good point, yeah. That's a really good point. This, Yeah, this might be my favorite James McAvoy performance, too. This or Split. I haven't seen Split yet, but Split. that I could imagine just because you play 25 or 70 roles or whatever it is. 23. Oh, that's close. Well, um, the first time. Yeah. Um, Stick with your first answer, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that here's what I have to admit about this. Like, I see spy movies like this. I don't comprehend them completely all that well sometimes. So even though I've watched it, I'm always like, who did they did what? How did this happen? Like the jargon just starts going over my head. So I will admit I'm a little dumb when it does come to spy movies. Well, um, you've only seen this movie. This was like your second time seeing it, right? Yeah. I saw it in theaters and then I watched it again before here. So, um, and you know, at home I definitely didn't make a bunch of distractions for myself while watching it. <laughs> totally. I didn't have two dogs running around the house. Um, I only had one dog running around, so you know. Um but uh no, like I'm shocked I've watched this movie as much as I have. I've seen this movie at least seven times. Oh wow, that's a pretty pretty decent amount of times to yeah. uh, especially in that it's been out just less than two years, really. Uh yeah, it's because it was in the summer of 2017. Right, so two so, years. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, the character of Lorraine Brockton, Broaden, um, Charlize, in my opinion, is the only person who could play that role. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of anybody else. I mean, I'm sure you get somebody else. You just get a different character. But the way she did that character was really neat. I think this was originally written for like Angelina Jolie. Oh, okay. Um, or but she already did like Salt. What year did the comic come out? Do you remember? The comic was, I think, twenty ten. Okay, so yeah, Angelina Jolie probably was still pretty popular at that point. Yeah, I well, this is the whole they wanted to reunite, um, like her and James McAvoy and be like, ooh, a wanted reunion. Oh, okay, because they're not just going to do a wanted sequel. Right. Or they well, die in it. I don't know. I never saw it. I read the comic and didn't like it. So. It's nothing like the comic. Yeah. It's not about supervillains. Yeah. It's about Hitman. Um, but yeah, so the basic plot of Atomic Blonde is, would you say that Lorraine is, or Charlize, I'm just going to say Charlize, she's a fixer? Yeah, that's a good way to describe her. Because her, her old partner, what was his name? Coinsmith? Gascoin? Oh, Gascoin. Gascoin, okay. Yeah, James Gascoin gets killed in Berlin, and he was working with James McAvoy to get this list that has every MI6 undercover operative that is in the world. Yeah. 
But on that list is the name of someone named Satchel, who is a double agent who actually works for the KGB. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this movie is actually more confusing as I, I explain it because the whole movie is told in an interrogation room with her, Dobby, Toby Jones. Yeah, yeah, he's... And John Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we did John Malkovich impressions last time. Now we're just doing John Goodman. Yeah, but dabba do. No, him in this movie is just so weird. Like, I wish he was in it more. But. I do too, but but when he shows up, he's like the exposition fairy. Yeah, because like the he shows up in her actual story twice, once with her and once with James McAvoy, and you can tell like from James McAvoy's face, he's like, "Oh my god, I'm in a scene with John Goodman." <laughs> It's funny because I thought Mary Elizabeth Winstead had the same look in 17 Cloverfield Lane. 10 Cloverfield Lane? Whatever the number was. <laughs> I uh, she had that same look. I feel like anyone who acts with John Goodman now is like, oh my God, John Goodman. He really is like a legend. I mean, you know, he's on the Connors, you know? So, I mean. Well, he got his start on Roseanne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, But, yeah. So, his whole thing is. I guess the CIA is wedging their way into this this whole because they're working in tandem with MI6. Yeah, because they're it's the Cold War and they're both on the same side trying to take down you know the Red Army, the Russians. <laughs> now, is this a true story? Because it takes place during the Cold War. So, I doubt it. Is this historically accurate? <laughs> I doubt it. I love how when she is telling the story, she knows people are watching her, and I love how she just looks in their general direction, but the way they, they, they frame it is so that the camera is behind the person who's listening. So it's almost like she's looking at the camera to give like Jim Halpert face. Oh yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. She does kind of have a Jim Halpert look through a lot of it. Not quite as like comical as his or as inviting as his. I wish she was just shaking her head and like blowing out her cheeks and be like, Hmm. Oh yeah, that definitely would have added to the spy tone. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Just know. having Steve Carell as a random like analyst, have his character from Get Smart just randomly walk in and just go, "That's what she said," and run, Ooh, like, run right out. I like that idea. I just don't think Steve Carell wants to tell jokes ever again. It seems like anytime I see him in interviews, he's yeah, a, he's a very serious man. Got sad like. really fast. It's weird. Did you see the movie where his son is a uh, drug addict? Because yeah, beautiful boy. Yeah, yeah. We and, talked about it. And how his wife is. Uh, well, the the mother Holly is Flax. Holly. So it's like a really awkward. Office yeah, we sequel. talked about that. Yeah, I just forget who I talked to about what. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she goes full Jim Halpert in this. Every time she looks at at uh, her interrogators. Yeah. The, um, her boss. I have no idea who played him at first. I thought it was uh, the dad from Psych. I thought it was Corbin Burnson. I watch Psych. I'm you don't sorry. watch Psych. I'm and sorry. then I thought it was um, uh, Tywin Lannister. I thought it was Charles Dance at first. I don't watch Game of Thrones either. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ! Why the fuck are you on this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> you just want to talk Spider Man, Dave? Is that? <laughs> I was hoping to hijack this into an end game conversation. Hell no! No spoilers. <laughs> but I love when Howard the Duck shows up. Oh yeah, you you know there's one person listening yeah, and be like fuck you and I'm like no Howard the Duck is not gonna show up in a <laughs> if you truly believe that Howard the Duck oh, is come gonna- on man 
Don't be a dick. I knew he was going to wield the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> quack, quack, motherfuckers. And then, like, the rest of the MCU, everyone's a duck now. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, so, yeah, in her story, there are so many holes in her story that people are just like, okay, because, like, at one point, the leader of the KGB tries to pick her up in a bar, and they don't think anything of this. Now, here's, let me ask you this. Do you think going with the route of the unreliable narrator in a movie like this, where it's a spy movie, do you think it just kind of can excuse some lazy, sloppy writing? Because I, I personally, as a writer, think that's a brilliant strategy to use. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you as a lazy writer? <laughs> Uh, once again, I just, writer is a writer and we're all a little lazy sometimes. Um, well, the question with this begs to be, is she, are we seeing everything she's telling them or is she telling them other stuff and we're seeing different things? Yeah. So, cause you don't know the truth. So a lot of it could just be this fabrication from her. So scenes that don't actually play out as we would think they should. Do you think she actually had sex with Delphine with Sophie, Sophia Batella? Um, yeah, because what, it happened twice or three times or something? Right, maybe? Thrice. Yeah, so I think if it happened that many times, it had to have well, had to Like, happen. like she was just trying to distract them? Yeah, and then uh, I went to town on her. Yeah, although you bring up a good point with that kind of deception thing, but, um, like, you know. I guess here's my problem is that when I first saw the movie, the biggest impression I made was I trusted everything she said. So... You know, I still feel that trust. <laughs> well, I love how like she's to to throw them off. She's like, I don't want CIA in here. He's like, Well, I'm gonna be in here. Yeah, but they ever do. <laughs> I don't roll on Shabbos, Lorraine. And I'm here with the full executive authority of Langley. Could it make you more comfortable? I could stand behind the mirror with everybody else, but it's a little crowded back there. Sucker. What did you say? I didn't say anything. Sorry. Did you say something, Lorraine? Did you hear me say something? I thought you said something. What did she say? And then she's like, cocksucker. And that that is the slowest burn joke in the entire movie. Because the first two minutes, she goes, cocksucker. And he goes, what did you say to me? And I didn't say anything. And Toby Jones is like, I didn't hear anything. And then we go through an entire two hour and 15 minute movie. And when we find out she's actually a CIA agent. Let's go home. That sounds good. Let's go home. Cocksucker? Really? I'm glad it was convincing. Well, it worked, didn't it? Credits. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Slowest burn joke. That's a good point. It's the slowest burn joke, and it pays off kind of okay. Kind of okay, yeah. Once you mention it, yeah, because I probably, each time I saw that, I was like, huh? Oh, (laughs) movie's (laughs) over, oh, well. (laughs) Song I like's playing, movie's over, it's all good. Um... Getting back to the soundtrack. So we have three different versions of uh, Blue Monday and three different versions of Nine Tig Nine Luft Balloons. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then they just play Voices Carry from Till Tuesday, which us as Boston boys should appreciate that. But I don't. 
I don't appreciate anything. <laughs> it's not my style. I will say that like anytime a song that I love started playing, I'm like, oh hey. And the first time I saw this movie, when uh, the KGB leader took out the boombox for the breakdancer guy, I'm like, I turned to my wife, I turned to Haley, and I'm like, 20 bucks says 99 Luftballoons is going to start playing. And then 99 Luftballoons oh, wow. started playing. And she's like, which? So you made some money off of this movie. No. Is that one of the reasons why it's your favorite Spotify movie? You no, I just think it's really, I, I like, so... This reminded me of another confusing spy movie, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is a film that I can never watch again. I watched it once in theaters. It was so boring. Mm. And the only time I ever watch it is I turn it on when I want to fall asleep. Mm. So it are you just putting the mic to your mouth to agree with me? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's my extremely important contribution to the show. Um, well, I haven't seen Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Is that the name of that one? Yeah, it's basically, uh, they did a better job of it on an episode of Bob's Burgers. See, that's the, I think that's the thing with spy movies, is they're either like sometimes really damn boring, or they were just so action-packed, you might as well not even call it a spy movie, because there's you know so many explosions. like. It- the realistically, the best spy Mission Impossible movie is the first one because that's the only one where they seem to actually be doing spying. All the other ones, they're doing Hollywood stunts. Right. I mean, there's one big Hollywood stunt and a small stunt. Yeah. There's the helicopter, and then the most famous stunt is him dangling, mm. which if you think about it, that's more of a psychological stunt. Yeah, 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 exactly. Where this one... The stunts are like the the fighting is incredibly impressive. It is. Um, my favorite fight scene is actually not even the two most famous fight scenes. The two most famous fight scenes is the George Michael fight, as I call it. Okay. The fight playing uh, when she fights the police and George Michael's playing, and then the silent six minute. Oh yeah. Hallway. Tracking shot or hallway shot. Or... My favorite fight is in the movie theater when she is trying to run away from those two KGB officers and she goes into the movie theater and she's fighting behind the screen and the movie's playing. Oh yeah. And she jabs the guy in the face with the keys like six times. It's so violent. I mean, that's one thing I'm not a huge fan of seeing all the bloody detail of violence. I like watching people fight, but I don't like seeing the actual pain. If there's Um, no captain America shield or Thor hammer, you're just not into it. Or just like a laser bolt that someone just falls down and, you know, all right, they're dead, I guess, or whatever. But um, you don't want to see the blood. You want it to like cauterize right away. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and I get it. I get like, especially a movie like this, you're being realistic as you can. Um, it is just, I find a little hard sometimes watching uh, the excessive violence because I've grown weak and old um, pretty much, you know, and soft. I feel like I'm turning into my dad because he loves all of these like high-tech fight things one of his favorite movies that i always give him shit for sorry dad is paycheck john Woo's paycheck with ben affleck um, and uma thurman yeah kind of early 2000s is yeah that? okay i kind of remember that one yeah um <laughs> and that's that's the type of action that's like here so oh, yeah. so i'm like oh i'm turning into my dad oh yeah um but this movie also reminds me of, thank God that I did not watch this movie with my parents. Oh, yeah. Because of 
all of the sex and all of the nudity. Yeah, there's enough to make that uncomfortable. So, you know, don't well, watch I, it with your parents. I always, I, I've never told this story on the podcast, I don't think. Oh, my God. Um, but when I was in high school, my mom was like, Scott, you always go to these independent movies with your dad. Why don't you take me to see an independent movie? I'm like, okay. And this is how long ago it was. I took out a newspaper Yeah, wow. with the movie Showtimes, and I was like, pick a movie. And she looked at the descriptions, and she's like, Swimming Pool, a thriller in the vein of Alfred Hitchcock. I have not seen it, but I know there's some pretty awkward scenes in it. The entire movie is this writer, played by Charlotte Rampling, watching this teenage girl have sex. And I, a 14-year-old boy or 15-year-old boy at the time, was sat in a movie theater with my mom watching it. Yeah. (laughs) And, And she's like, we should probably leave and go see my big fat Greek wedding. I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, so then you ended up seeing my big. We fat didn't leave wedding. the theater. It was just very awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's how. You but grow this close is to the type parents. of movie. This is the type of movie that would make me incredibly uncomfortable to watch with my parents. Um. Yeah. I mean, the movie opens up with Charlize in an ice bath naked. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the. The violence, I guess, just overwhelms the nudity. And then it's like, okay, this wasn't a sexy movie. This was a painfully violent movie. So it's a little less awkward. I think I don't it's know. just I a find painfully it, graphic movie. I think it's a lot more socially acceptable to watch graphic violence with your parents than uh, nudity with your parents. I didn't think this was where the conversation was going to go, but here we are. So, <laughs> now, I just think that the whole point of like an 80s spy um I guess Charlize's character is supposed to be a honeypot. A honeypot? She is. What's, what do you mean by that? I don't, I you don't, don't know, know what a honeypot is? I mean, I could see myself calling somebody a honeypot and then finding out on Twitter that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but what like, is it? Like I, I felt like the reason why they, why she interacts with Delphine the way she does yeah. is to seduce her Okay. and to get information from her. And I feel like that's what she was being she felt she had to be used for. I felt like, you know. Yeah. Okay. So that's what that term is. Honeypot would be like, not quite a whore, but like a no, it's spy not, whore. It's not a spy whore. A woman that sleeps with James Bond type woman. There's an entire episode of Archer where he has to be a honeypot for like a sugar daddy. Oh. Like, <laughs> it's just getting the information. Okay. Any means possible. I mean, technically, James Bond is a honeypot because so, okay. he seduces all of these women to get information. So you could be a honeypot, but you're not sleeping with people because you, you got it in a different way. But if it comes down to, you know, a little sucky sucky or something, then it's going to be... Uh, oh, sucky sucky. That's good. He's then they're going to have to... Jesus Christ, Dave. <laughs> Oh, should we edit that out? <laughs> no, that's staying that was, in there. I didn't say it. Yeah. You're the pervert. Oh, gosh. Well, I, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I understood the honeypot term correctly. I just, I feel like in like, like, spies are more, more, I don't know. I, I just rewatched 
a movie that I walked out of the theaters. I rewatched Red Sparrow, and I'm like, are just spies? Are they just supposed to be sex people? Oh, yeah, jeez, Red Sparrow. Now, how does Red Sparrow... Now, I didn't see Red Sparrow, but... That's the only movie I ever walked out of in a theater. Really? It's pretty bad, huh? It it is pretty bad. I couldn't even make it through. How does it kind of compare? What what do you think makes something like Atomic Blonde work while Red Sparrow did not? Not having to go too much into Red Sparrow, but more of... I think it's who you get to be your lead and how your story is written. Okay, I can say I think Jennifer Lawrence typically is funnier and like lighter. So playing a spy for her, I think, is like a bigger stretch compared to Charlize Theron, where I think playing that spy and that kind of also, dark, mysterious works. The accent works. Charlize is a better actress when it comes to dialects. Yeah, I mean, for for years, I thought that you know she was from California and i found out she was from south africa yeah like, that's crazy isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> i had no idea so, like she doesn't have an accent but then when she plays lorraine and she's got you know a british accent it's believable or when she's speaking german it's very believable where when you have jennifer lawrence and red sparrow talking like this or oh, doing russian accent like you're this you're catch moose and squirrel oh like, boy <laughs> okay so, yeah that definitely but the as I watch more and more spy movies, like to prep for this, I actually watched two James Bond movies. Oh, which Bonds? Uh, well, Live and Let Die, which is my favorite. Yeah. Um, and then Spectre. And oh, okay. And this is where my theory that all spies are honeypots just goes at, at it because in Spectre, all Daniel Craig does. Is like to get information. He's just making out with women, sloppy. Monica kisses. Bellucci is yeah. That's that the one. that's yeah, the scene. That one's because he's just move. like Mwah. yeah. Just breaks into her house, goes into the shower with her. It's yeah, sloppy little... kisses. It's disgusting. Yeah. Now I wonder. I would love to talk to a real spy and see if it's anywhere near as sexy of a job because I feel like it's I not. doubt it is. I feel like this is I, like such a like I, Hollywood dream. I bet it's dream. like being an accountant. Like you have the same briefcase. Oh yeah, you're right. Same. There's no danger. Like you're as likely to have somebody shoot up your office as like any of us are because of the gun laws. I feel like Hollywood relax. gets being a spy and being a private investigator mixed up because. All being a spy is in these movies is basically being a detective. Yeah, I guess you're kind of right there because... She's totally a detective. She's trying to figure out what happened, even though she knows she's at the forefront of all of this. Yeah, that is kind of a little weird, isn't it? (laughs) I guess something's got to happen. Yeah, so in her journey, the quick cliff notes is she has to retrieve the dead body of her lover. She makes a new lover. She frenemies james mcavoy who is basically the pimp of all of berlin oh yeah west and east berlin Mm. because the wall is still up folks david hasselhoff is right around the corner to tear down that wall with walls work wait wait, hold on what happens to this wall (laughs) oh yeah i every time i have you on there's always a wall wall. (laughs) technically this is history so this is history this is a different type of wall (laughs) yeah this is the cold war this is soviet um, but yeah, she, um, James McAvoy is just like this pimp who, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Do you think that being in Berlin just corrupted him for so long? You know, here's what I've learned about spy movies. Nobody is completely a good or bad guy. Like there's very few characters you can usually go like Felix from the James Bond movies is a completely good guy. 
I feel that Felix Slater is a completely good guy. He's the only one. He's the only person I could think of. <laughs> uh, Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt's pretty good. Although, does Ethan Hunt believe in Scientology? <laughs> I doubt it. Okay. If, if, he, if you think that Tom Cruise thinks that, playing Ethan Hunt is not a Scientologist kind of character. <laughs> But I think that, I mean, it's hard because in this movie, everybody is, you know, even Charlize Theron, you're like, wait, so is she a good guy or a bad guy? She worked for the CIA and I'm American, so that seems good, but. Yeah, I mean, so I feel like if they don't want the double agent, but they're fine with the triple agent. So if they just knew from the very beginning that, that she was a triple agent, or maybe they would just be all super British and be like, Oh, we can't have a triple agent. Oh, stiff up a lip. Like stiff up a lip. Yeah. I don't know. What do you you like the 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 triple agent reveal or do you feel like it's a little cheap sometimes? Um and then and then get this. She was actually working for the other people. Like sometimes I think it can be like you're rolling the dice a little bit. This time, I think it worked. Normally, I don't. Do you think it works if you've liked the movie, or have you liked movies where that's been revealed at the end, and then you're like, ah, oh, screw these people? Uh, there's only been one movie that's done that for me. Oh, yeah? Um, It's not a spy movie, but... Uh, Endgame, when we find out Thanos wasn't actually Thanos, but working for the Avengers the whole time. You're a dick. (laughs) Oh my God, did I just spoil that for everyone? That's not real, that's fake. (laughs) But when they take off Thanos' mask and find out it was uh, Old Man Withers who ran the haunted amusement park. (laughs) No, uh, so the movie is Simple Favor. Oh, that's the same Raimi film? No, that's the Anna Kendrick, Paul Feig. Oh, oh, the, the new one. The uh, French, sexy French-American thriller. Like, okay, I didn't see that, but yeah, that just came out like within the past year, right? They have a like uh, a thing like that. It's not like a twist. Don't spoil it for me, Scott. There's a twist at the end that's not really a twist. Yeah. But then they turn genres and make it like go from being like a drama thriller to like a flat-out comedy for the last two minutes, and it ruined huh, it. So, weird. like a twist like that destroys it. But okay. a twist like, oh, she was a triple agent the whole time. That's fine. Yeah, I like, mean, you can go back, I guess, and try to watch it with a different set of eyes. Then, be- and... because like, as long as she's working for some good guy, I'd be fine. I started to not like this movie when I saw it the first time. When I thought she was indeed, like, because at the end when she goes to the KGB, mm. you know to reveal everything that she was indeed satchel. I was like, oh, are you shitting me? And then like when you find out she's not, yeah, she's just killing them to tie up loose ends. As you gotta sometimes. Also, Pennywise is in this movie. Yeah, very small, right? It just he kind of shows up. It was right before like it, it chapter one came out. Yeah. So Bill Skarsgård wasn't big. But every time I see him now, all I can think of is, hey, Georgie. In a balloon. Oh yeah. Like like I just I picture him I think I woke up They all float down here, Bridgie. Yeah, I woke up McCoy by doing that yeah. awful Bill Skarsgard impression. But when I saw him in this, there was something I noticed about him that I didn't notice probably on the first five viewings of this movie. He's in almost every scene that she is in a different capacity. He is in the background somewhere. Really? Yeah. So, like, when we meet James McAvoy for the first time, 
he is the bartender at that in loft club that he has going on. Huh. And Percival has no idea who who he is when he meets him for the first time when they're supposed to get Spyglass out. Oh. Spyglass played by James Mar- uh, Marston or Eddie Marzen. Who? Eddie Marzen from um, The World's End. The World's End. I don't know if I saw that one. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. Oh, I didn't see that one, though. Uh, he's Lestrade in the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies. Um, I saw one of those, but... He was the bad guy in Hancock. I didn't see that one. He's been in like everything. You would know him if... If I'm, I cared a little. Yeah, he was if Spyglass I in this. put in some effort to know these actors. Yeah, he was Spyglass in this. And he is the crux of the entire movie because there was this watch that has a list and then it goes missing because the KGB has it, but they don't know how, how to open it up. Yeah. And then he is the key because he has the entire list in his head. Yeah. Which I call bullshit on. There's... Yeah, sometimes uh, when you have a character being able to memorize a little too much. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, I love how he earns McAvoy's trust. He's like, every Thursday you go down to the Penny, the Pennywise, uh, the not the Pennywise, the Pennywise bar, <laughs> the the uh, the Penny Dollar uh, brothel, and your favorite girl is Elsie, but her real name is Marie. Her real name's Marie, huh? Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that, that's funny. It's like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Um, but then once McAvoy actually gets the watch and knows all the information, um, he basically just kills Spyglass. Yeah. Now, do you think that that was real, or do you think that that was? Do you think Lorraine actually killed him? I think that was real. I don't have anything to back that up with. Um, but I think it was real. What do you think? I think that it was real because I think he could protect her and redact her as the double agent. Okay. Because he knows that she's never lost someone and and she wants to keep this. And he knows that James McAvoy doesn't care if he lives or dies. Because he already said at the beginning, the list isn't here. You're no good to me. I should just kill you. Yeah. So he knows that McAvoy is shooting ask questions later, and he knows how Lorraine is. So, but his death scene was incredibly upsetting. Yeah, uh, how was how did his one go down again? It he was, drowned. Yeah, the drowning just doesn't. The look on his face, the like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> the drowning why? Like the look on his face was just like. Yeah. Um, but that so okay. I was wrong. It's not a six minute. It's probably a ten minute fight chase scene because it starts with them leaving, going into I guess the the parade of protesters. Yeah, that part's really cool. What is that protest? Take down the wall. I mean, I that's what I just assume because I just call it the black umbrella parade. now. The black umbrella, pro- oh, because they all have black umbrellas. Because they, she, she has them all at the same time. Open up their umbrellas so you oh, can't yeah. see them to hide them. Um, and that leads to the actual fight scene, which I love that there's no music in that fight scene. 
Yeah. Where in the previous fight scene we had George Michael playing. This one is silent. There's no orchestration. I think it'd be hard. It's so long, you know. I guess orchestration. Yeah, you could have because Tyler Bates, who did Tyler Bates, who did um, Watchmen, and he did. I think he did Deadpool two. Mm. Like, he's a great composer. So the score for that would have been amazing. But having no score. Yeah. And she's just beating the shit out of people. She got hurt in this scene. Yeah, what did what happened to her? She broke, I think, two fingers. Oh, or maybe she lost a few teeth. I don't know. Ooh. She got hurt. She got hurt. Um, but it starts with the parade, and then it goes all the way to the car chase. So it goes from an on foot, you know, march to him getting shot to her fighting these people. In a cement stairwell, yeah. which, God, that must fucking hurt. Yeah, that, um, yeah, I'd love to see, have you seen any behind the scenes on how they filmed all this? Yeah, uh, th- they don't get too into it. They're like, it's just like some George Lucas sounding guy who was like, oh, well, we, uh, got Charlize, we had her practice for a few days, and then, you know, we shot it. <laughs> came out great <laughs> <laughs> like that's a script they're like oh we gotta get this guy on the DVD he's so insightful um, do you know are there like cutaway spots where they changed it or is it genuinely like a one shot the stairwell is a one shot once she gets into the apartment and is fighting with I'm just gonna call this assassin the movie theater assassin I'm just gonna call him Zach Morris when she's fighting the bleach blonde assassin, Zach Morris, as I'm calling him. That Zach, who's Zach Morris? The 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 blonde KGB assassin that but, she stabs with the key. I'm calling him Zach Morris. But what's the name Zach Morris I'm Saved by the to... Bell. Oh. <laughs> Dave, can you please leave my fucking house? <laughs> like, get the fuck out of the bagel basket. I'll be back for the Bohemian Rhapsody one and uh... <laughs> <laughs> You'll never be back again. Get the fuck out. <laughs> No, so so okay, so that's a that's a good joke. I get that now, Zach Morris. So she she's fighting Zach Morris, and as soon as like I guess it's when he throws her through the 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 door, the glass door. Yeah, that's when the cut is. Okay, because then it goes to a close up of her and a close up of Eddie Marsden taping himself up. Hmm. So, and then apparently no one knows how to use a gun. Cause like it flies out of their hands like they have butterfingers. That's a good point. You gotta if you're gonna pull out a gun, you gotta have a solid grip. Advice to all of your listeners: have a solid grip on the gun when you pull it out and point it. Don't at you dare tell people, Jesus Christ! <laughs> if you're in an action movie or you're writing an action movie, how about that, Scott? This is America. The viewers need oh advice. Oh my God! On guns. You're the worst <laughs> guest ever. All right, so you know. If you have to stop a bunch of Russians in the KGB, much get a good better, grip on much it. better preface. I assumed it. that that was assumed or implied, but just to clarify, you are now the worst guest. I always joke <laughs> with Mallory that she's the worst guest because she has no heart and no movie moves her or TV show. <laughs> you are now the worst. 
fine, fine, fine. Just because I advocate you and a little your, gun your, violence. You and your conservative agenda. <laughs> oh, dear. But, um, yeah, so when it goes to the car chase, I feel that that is one of the best car chases. Yeah. Because the way it's Charlize doing most of the stunt driving. Really? Because she learned how to do it for the Italian job. <laughs> and that shit just sticks so with you. She, no, she Fifteen lo- years later, she she's lo- like, I no. Can every do every this. action movie she's done since, she's always asked to do her own stunt driving. Wow. So that's her driving backwards. That's her cutting the corners really tight. That's Charlize. Wow. And um, it's probably ironic because I bet you she uses chauffeur to a lot of places in real life. Yet she's probably talented enough to sit through the traffic herself. <laughs> You know, or weave through the traffic, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. Charlize, if you uh, want to let us know, tweet at us. Yeah, oh, please. That'd be cool. Um, But yeah, I will say as someone who has obsessive compulsive disorder uh, and is a germaphobe like me, when she is in the ice bath after getting brutally hurt Oof. and takes the ice that was in that dirty tub and puts it into her glass... To drink Stoli, <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> "That's kind of a cool moment, though." But yeah. I get in real life that, yeah, like, it's cool in a movie where you're like, "Yeah, it's not really all infected," but in yeah, real life, you you bring up a good point. But, yeah, um, it, it's like, oh, the next scene should have been her shitting her brains out, like, "Oh, oh why did this happen?" Oh, yeah. Scott, that wouldn't be sexy in a spy movie. No one wants to see a spy take a shit. <laughs> That's the movie I want to see. The spy who came out from the cold to take a shit. <laughs> what a title. He came out of the cold to take a shit. Is You've that... never seen the movie The Spy Who Came Out From The Cold? No, I've only seen Bonds and Mission Impossibles. And oh, Born well, Supremacy. in college, Gunther used to show it. Oh. I'm guessing you didn't take his directing class? I did. I probably forgot about it. Yeah, that's like that the was first like, movie he shows. Was like this... thirteen years ago. I can't. I can't say I retain information that easily. It's about basically yeah, undercover spy, oh. <laughs> kind of like this. Um, oh. But yeah, that's the movie I want to see. Charlie's reach into the to the um, bathwater. Tu- yeah, into the tub. Grab the ice. Drink the stoli, and then. <laughs> And then for the next two hours, it's just her on the toilet being like, oh, why did I do that? Would the bad guys like come during that point and she's yeah, got she, to like, she, oh. She can't leave the toilet oh and God. she has to fight them off. Wow. I know Seth Rogen's in her next movie, so maybe. That's a rom-com. Yeah, I know. I can't believe Seth Rogen's making another movie with an attractive blonde that you just can't believe she would end up with a guy like him. I mean, like, whoa. Like, that's like a well, totally original idea. Funny story about Charlize. Charlize was in Young Adult with yep. Patton Oswalt. And in that movie, her character has sex with Patton Oswalt. And I guess they did a Q&A where um, a woman goes, I found it unbelievable when after Patton and Charlize made love, she put on his Megadeth t-shirt or like Van Halen t-shirt. And he's like, that's what you thought was unbelievable? <laughs> Charlize Theron just had sex with me. <laughs> and that's what you thought was unbelievable? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
he's a charming, charming lad. You know, yeah, strapping. I know, but that was his point. Um, I still think that I'm glad they didn't do the cliche of like they made it a a lesbian love story, and they didn't do her and Percival and can I turn her in because I love her type oh, of. Yeah. That would have. What do you think of Sophia Butella? Is that her name? Sophia Butella. Butella. Uh, I love her and everything. Really, you love her. Even, even I don't love her. Love her. I didn't mean it like that, but even I thought she was the only good thing in the Mummy, and I hate the Mummy. I haven't seen the Mummy. I mean, I don't feel like there's a lot of competition in that regard. So I do understand why you would potentially choose her there. Um, I, I. I just think she's awesome. And also in Kingsman, she had the swords for legs. Yeah, I mean, swords for legs does go pretty far. Um, Here as Delphine, I felt that she was too... She's a French actress, and I thought she was too French. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, that's a good point. Because she was too much like, Lorraine, what are we going to do? Ooh la la. Yeah, yeah if she added an ooh la la... She she would have been fine. <laughs> that, she was too yeah. French, but no ooh la la. That's what did it for me. Oh, what a disgrace. <laughs> there was no ooh la la, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> that does it. Um Yeah, I mean as far as characters go, what did you like? What didn't you like story wise, structure? Well, I thought that, I mean, for me, the thing that I like about it is Charlize Theron plays a very interesting character. You know, she does the good Dark Mysterious. That's what I like there. I like John Goodman because he's a good actor. I mean, he's not in it a ton. James McAvoy is a good actor. I can't say I had really strong opinions on his character, but it was just nice for me to be like, oh, it's James McAvoy, familiar face. Um, I think the action's one of the stronger things of the film, even though sometimes it's a little more violent than I would uh, prefer to kind of uh, watch and experience. Like I said, also, I did like the music. Um, I thought that was really well done. I can't reiterate how good the music is in this movie. Um, Like, this was the year of Guardians Volume 2, and the soundtrack was just as good. As Guardians, in my opinion. Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't know the soundtrack like you do, but I, I it, it fit really well. And I mean, especially also some of the visuals that go along with it, like when, you know, some of like, I guess the nightclubs or bars, like the way it all looks, it it really gels well together visually. Well, the, the movie opens up with David Bowie playing. Yeah. So, cat people. So, so that scene is just amazing. Um. I feel like this movie could have been stronger in certain areas. The the action is fantastic because David Latcher Leach Lech? Leach? Leach is what I assumed, but I don't know if I'm right. Um he's a he was a fight choreographer. He was a stuntman for the longest time. Um, so that's how you know the action scenes are gonna be amazing. Yeah. As far as direction goes, I First time I saw it, it was incredibly slow. That does feel like one of the main issues, I think, is that when the action kicks in, you're like, oh, right, cool. But it's a little boring at points, like in between some of the action. And you have to pay attention to detail. Yeah. 
Because and, I mean, that's the way I think a lot of spy movies are, and that's what can but be hard this for one, me. This one, you totally had to pay attention. Because it, like, Haley and I love this movie, but the first time we saw it, we were like, oh, it was good. And then we saw it again, and it's like, oh, that, oh, okay. Yeah. And then saw it again and picked up more stuff. Like, it's a movie that you have to watch to get more things. Also, we didn't even talk about Hugo Stiglitz is in this movie. Till Schweiger from um, Inglorious Bastards. What role is he in Inglorious Bastards? He's the the guy who joined the Nazi party to kill Nazis and then joined up with the Bastards. The guy who... Um, Say Avita into your Nazi balls. Um, the the blonde, blue eyed. I I would have to see him. He was the, the guy I'm, who stabbed the guy in the face with the pillow, put the pillow over his face, and stabbed it with the. Yeah, I remember that, but I can't say I remember what the guy looked like. I've, he, I he was the watchmaker. I I I appreciate all the detail. I've just I've only seen the movie maybe four times and not recently, so I, yeah, I'm I just mean, not going to remember. But in this movie, he was the watchmaker. Oh, the watchmaker in this one? Okay. So, like, he's barely in the movie, and, like, I thought he was going to die or serve a bigger purpose, but they're like, hey, look, Till Schweiger's in this movie. You go, he- It is weird when you're able to get somebody kind of big for, like, a not big role at all, you know, because that's, like, a role that probably could have just gone to, like, literally any schlub off the street well, at a SAG rate. Yeah, I, I feel that way also about uh, Toby Jones, who is the other guy, her other boss, who's mm. interviewing. Because that's Dobby. That's the guy. He, who... he gets a lot of roles where you're like, this role seems too small for Toby Jones. Like, didn't he get an Oscar nomination for playing Capote one year or something? No, because that movie came out the same year as Capote and Philip oh, Seymour Hoffman. Philip Hoffman got it. Okay. But he got at least maybe like a Golden Globe or a Trifecta Film Awards. Something Spirit, like that. Something like that. Something like that. Um, but has like, he gotten an Oscar nomination? Is it a different no, movie? No, he's of? never gotten an Oscar nomination. Are you sure he didn't get one for Arnim, Arnim Zola in uh, Captain America? <laughs> <laughs> you wish. <laughs> be such a of all the characters in the Marvel universe to get an Oscar nomination. How great would it be one. if after like everything in this movie, he just goes to shake her hand and goes, "Hail Hydra." <laughs> that would be awesome. I would suddenly have a completely different perspective on this film, and then I would be more excited for the Black Widow sequel because I'd be like, "Oh my God, they must have done this so uh, Scarlett Johansson will fight Charlie Theron." You know, like that. Now that's a movie I would see. Yeah, now I, uh, well, that, well, dang. <laughs> I mean, so they're making a sequel of this. Like, she's clearly going to have another male antagonist like McAvoy. But her chemistry with McAvoy and, like, their banter was so good. How, who are they going to get to top that? Jason Bateman. <laughs> yeah, okay. I haven't played someone named Mr. F and... The thing writes itself. For British eyes only. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always forget that she's in the third season of Arrested Development. I hate to say this. It's one of my least favorite plots, but then they made more seasons, and then it moved up on my list. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not but, so bad anymore. Yeah, so another thing is all of the stuff that per- Percival, that McAvoy was sneaking into Berlin – Jordash jeans. Oh yeah. Do you remember Jordash? I know. I'm not gonna pretend like I do. So there were two types of jeans in the eighties. One for men, Bugle Boy, obviously. Or Levi, if you want to get technical. Bugle Boy was just Levi with a different name. Okay. And then for women, 
Jordash. Hmm. And then that became Guess. How do you know so much about jeans in the eighties? Weren't you born in like the late eighties? Like or was it just one of these things that your family like carried over into the nineties? Why are you asking so many questions, Dave? I'm just curious. <laughs> trying to just do Are you wearing a wire or are you trying cop? to deduce if you're a triple spy or not here? <laughs> I just like the things I like. Is that okay with you? <laughs> it's probably not, if I'm being honest. It's I drink and I know things. <laughs> Okay, well, I can't, I can't find fault in that answer. <laughs> that is from Game. Oh, you don't watch Game of Thrones. That's oh, what Peter Dinklage says. Okay. Well, I, I was ready to give you the credit for that great line. Well, now I guess I, I, I don't drink, but I do know things. Oh. But the the fact is, yeah, like all of these eighty little eighties details is just so funny. Like when they say coming up, David Hasselhoff, because if you watched MTV. They did. MTV was the one news station truly covering the Berlin Wall coming down. It's just weird that you said MTV was the one news station. Well, and MTV... I don't disagree. I don't disagree. <laughs> but Even today, they teach me more about culture with shows like Jersey Shore and Alabama Shore than CNN could ever hope to teach me. Oh, my me. God. First off, it's Florabama. <laughs> What did I say? Alabama. Oh, I just said Alabama. That's yeah. boring. Yeah. I'm so disappointed in myself. My parents would be, be so disappointed. You should be. Um, no, it, it was um, it was just weird because then Kurt Loder was like, coming up, David Hasselhoff. And if you know the in like all the details of that, David Hasselhoff played at the Berlin Wall. Yeah, when it came down, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also kind of weird because you mentioned that Guardians 2 came out that year and they, he's got the cameo in that and he's on that soundtrack. So it's right. kind of weird that there's uh, that kind of weird little connection. The Hasselhoff connection? The Hasselhoff connection. Um, Next so- week on X-Files. <laughs> That's the episode I want to watch. Me too. So as we get to the end of this, wrapping things up, you find out that Lorraine basically took all of him spying on her um and and um all the audio that she recorded and cut it together to make it look like he was satchel yeah and then she kills him Mm -hmm. but before that delphine dies and her death is the most upsetting it is yeah that was really uh how was it that she went again it was uh piano wire yeah. He strangled her with piano wire while voices carry plays. That's yeah. the creepiest way to die. I think that piano wire, I've seen people get uh, amputated and killed with piano wire and other things, and it is always bothersome, almost so much so that I'm ready to ban pianos. Also, the look on her face when um, Charlize comes in and discovers her body, like her eyes rolled into the back of her head is incredibly upsetting. Yeah, that was really... The look on her face was just like, huh? Yeah, that was not good. That's not what you want to walk into. Yeah, it's almost like um Uma's face in uh, Pulp Fiction when she OD'd on heroin. Oh, yeah, but that all worked out okay. Yeah, yeah she was fine. Yeah, just... She's fine. Shirley's just give her just a shot of, of adrenaline. Just ahead of the curb there, I guess. So. Um. So, yeah, I... I love this movie. I do. But it is very flawed. Like how they just... They know that she might be Satchel, but they don't say anything like the British because she's like, you sent me in to die, didn't you? And they're like, 
Yeah, you got us. Mm. Whoopsie daisies. Whoopsies. And so they just like let her go, and then she goes back with John Goodman. And that's the movie. Like, that's how it ends. That's all she wrote, folks. So, how many bagels? On a scale of one to 13, one is shit and 13 is great. Uh, I give it like nine. There are nine bagels left? Wait, I. You're leaving nine bagels left. Yeah, I'm giving it nine out of 13 bagels. Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nine out of 13. What about you? I'm giving it 10. 10, okay. Oh, wow, we're pretty close. I thought we were going to be a little further off. No, what, you thought I was going to give this a perfect dozen? No. Uh, I thought you might give it 11. No. Because you used the word love. Yeah, just because I love something doesn't mean I realize that it's not flawed. Just because I love something doesn't mean I give it a high score. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's just so many problems. There's reasons to take out three three bagels. The pacing? um, The pacing is all over the place. Yeah. (coughs) Um, I feel like we... Should have got a little more backstory on on Charlize, like even if it was like a fake backstory. That's a good point. You really don't get anything there, do you? Also, in spy movies, she gets like marked by the KGB right away when she gets to Berlin. Any other spy movie, she would have been extracted right away mm. if she reported that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then also. Uh, I had to add an extra bagel because if I was going to take out nine, I had to give uh, an extra bagel for John Goodman's little hat that he wears looking at the Berlin Wall. Oh, yeah. John Goodman's hat's nice. I liked that. That was definitely... The little old man scally cap. Yeah. We should see that more often. Um, So do you have anything that you want to promote? Anything you want to plug? I have a web series, Skitcom TV. We've got uh, shows on YouTube and uh, Facebook. Facebook's our newest stuff, but I'm uploading old stuff slowly. Um, but yeah, if you YouTube Skitcom TV or Skitcom, we're pretty much the only thing that comes up there. So let me ask you something. Is our uh, most recent show? It's our best one. Oh, we also started a podcast where I talked to some of the actors about their careers and also the episodes that we, uh, we did. So... If you look for the Skitcom TV podcast, I think that's its name, um, you'll find at least one episode out. There might be a second one out by the time this comes out. I'm not exactly sure. So, uh, Other than that, you know, if you want to just send me money because you like me, just find me on the internet somehow. and Don't we'll, send him money. We'll work out something. Because then he'll just keep making stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Patreon or anything. <laughs> it's just like if random people are like, hey, can I send you 20 bucks? Like, yeah, sure, I guess so. Why not? You know? Dave, that's called prostitution. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to make the same mistake of what I uh, phrased with earlier. So nice <laughs> trap there. But... <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to promote, Scott? No, it's just the the podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Writer Bagel Basket. No vowels, all vowels, no vowels. W-R-T-R-B-A-G-E-L-B-S-K-T. Um, Instagram, at Writer's Bagel Basket. Everything's there. All vowels, everything. Wow. <laughs> and then email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. And uh Yeah. Thanks for being here, Dave. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed talking about this one a little more than, uh, was it Warm Bodies? Was yeah. that the name of it? Yeah, Warm Bodies didn't quite speak to me the way this one did. 
Yeah, um, so but I am going to get you on a really bad one. It might be a bad TV show. Who knows? Hey, you know what? You might have to do Alf. Well, you know what? I like puppets, so <laughs> I might like Alf. Hey, Willie. <laughs> Good eat that cat. Yeah. Um. So until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. <laughs>